Hello, I'm Emily Bellet, the founder of BestPod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich. Welcome to The Wallet and our seven-episode mini-series where we take your most pressing questions to financial advisors. Taxes. That word alone can send shivers down your spine. But today, with the help of chartered financial advisor Lisa conway we'll try and make taxes a little less scary for you. Lisa provides valuable insights on avoiding common mistakes, staying organized and ensuring you have sufficient funds. Lisa shares her expertise on tax efficient saving and investing, pensions and the art of gifting. Join us as we explore how to navigate the often anxiety-inducing process of filing tax returns while gaining a fresh perspective on effective financial strategies. I'm often asked, how do I find a mortgage broker, financial advisor, or an accountant I can trust? In a world full of chaos and noise, it can definitely be tricky to know where to turn. This is where Unbiased comes in. Unbiased is a matching service that helps to connect you with the most experienced and regulated experts. Essentially, they do the work of finding the right expert person for you. And the best bit? It's free to use. Visit unbiased.co.uk today and find your match made in money heaven. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Can you explain, you know, how income tax works as well as tax brackets? Yeah, sure. So... The first thing, and it sounds like jargon, but the personal allowance. And so the personal allowance is the amount that you're allowed to earn tax-free. And so for most people, that's um, just over um, 12,500. But you can see the exact numbers on the graph, but just over 12,500 to keep it simple. So you pay 0% tax there. And then all the earnings between that bracket and then just over 50,000, that's the basic rate tax bracket and there you're paying 20% on that slice. So if you earn 49,000, you've got some in the zero, some in the 20. Then between 50 and 100,000, that's the high rate tax bracket. And that's where you're going to pay your 40% tax. And then I always call it the sneaky tax bracket. (laughs) And it's the bracket between 100 and 125,000 where you pay the equivalent of 60% tax. And so many people who are in that bracket don't even know they're in it. They just know that their tax code keeps changing and they never get the amount that they feel they should. Um, And the reason for that tax bracket is for every pound you earn over £100,000, you lose 50p of that personal allowance. So when someone's earning 125,000, they have zero personal allowance. It all shunts down and it creates this 60% tax bracket. And then once that 60% tax bracket's finished at just over 125,000, then it's 45% tax. Um, that was a big change for this tax year because um, it's starting much earlier, that 45% tax bracket. So how do you discuss with your client moving from, you know, moving into like a higher um, tax bracket? Well, I think key things. So I had a lady yesterday who um, is going to take a jump from um, the late 80s as um, an income to 130. So that's a really nice jump. That's amazing. 
It was, and, and I was like, but do you want to know the bad thing? <laughs> I was like, the tax man's going to take loads of it. So she, she only ended up with just a little bit more than a thousand pounds a month extra. Wow. Um, once we're going to have to do her tax, her pension planning for everything over a hundred. So, um, you've just got to be careful that like, if you're opting for more hours at work or you're going for a pay rise, actually use a salary calculator online. Literally just Google UK salary calculator and see what the impact of of that pay rise or, is actually on you. Because some of my clients actually, especially in that 60% tax bracket, you could be better off emotionally and not that worse off um, financially by, say, going down to four days. Um, instead of doing five. Once you know you're in this bracket, you know you know exactly how you you earn, what's your 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 net um, salary. What are some common you know tax deductions um, that are allowed that that people uh, often overlook? The big big one is pensions. Yeah. So you, if you, if I was earning 110, I put 10,000 in my pension. Because of the 6% tax, it's actually costing me 4000 a year. And that 6000 is going to come back from the tax man. If I was earning 55000 um, if I put 5000 in, it's going to get all my high rate tax back and it's going to reinstate me as a basic rate taxpayer. And that's really, really important, especially for parents, because it means that you get a start to qualify for all of the child benefit and things like that. So... Pensions is a big one. Don't forget to claim for professional fees and subscriptions. You can put those on your tax return. Charitable donations, they're really important, especially if you're a high rate taxpayer and you've ticked that gift aid. They're gonna, the charity's going to get tax relief at 20%, but you pay 40% tax, so you're owed some money back. So putting that on your tax return is going to really help. Um, and then this, this one I see far too often. Most people pay their pension at work um, as a salary sacrifice. So the money goes into the pension and then they pay tax on the rest. But a lot of pensions, especially if you're um, in a smaller company or you're in something like people's pension, for example, um, it'll be done as relief at source. So the money, um, the money goes in, you get your 20% tax relief. But you're, if you're a high rate or additional rate taxpayer, you're actually owed more money back. Um, there's so many times I've seen that. So a really clear question to ask your HR is, is my pension relief at source and do I need to do a tax return? And now if we, if we talk about some mistakes that people make, because people are really worried and I'm worried. I mean, when I, you know, doing, doing tax returns is always quite stressful. What are some mistakes that actually um, people make? I think a lot of people don't realise you have to pay tax on savings. So they forget to put their savings interest on their tax return. So everyone has a personal savings allowance. So if you're a basic rate taxpayer, so earning under that 50,000 threshold, you're allowed to make a £1,000 a year in interest. If you're um, a high rate taxpayer, you're allowed to um, earn 500 um, a year in interest. And then above that, it's um, you don't get a personal allowance. It's all taxable. So I think putting those on. I also think people forget to use their capital gains tax allowances. So that's really important if you've got, you, you get given shares at work, is to sell down each year to make sure that you're using that capital gains tax allowance. It was 12,000 last year, it's 6,000 now, and it's going to be 3,000 next year. So um, it's a... Um, increasing tax burden there. Um, and then I think um, 
doing it in a mad rush. The 31st of <laughs> January is the deadline, not the target. <laughs> and I heard it's the busiest, <laughs> it's the busiest day on the, on HMRC's website, actually. There was a really sad statistic, which I really can't remember, but of how many people actually do it on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I think try and do it April, May, June time. Try and get it done before your summer holiday um, because HMRC are not busy at this time of year. They probably start to get really busy again in eight, in October when people do the paper um, versions. Um, so over the summer months, they're not going to be as busy. So if you've got questions, then you you can call them up. They will they will help you. They're super um, helpful. And, and what I do, so mostly now things come through electronically. Um, so I just have a, a in my email, I just have a, a folder that when something comes through that's capsulated, I put it in that folder so it's all in the right place. When things come through posts, like interest statements and things like that, I just keep an envelope by the, by the door, put the stuff in as it arrives. And now is the time that it's going to be coming out. So just keep, yeah, keep everything, make it, make it as simple as possible for you. And then don't forget if if it's just too much of a headache and it causes you too much stress, a couple of hundred quid to do a tax return for an accountant yeah. um, might be worth it. And can you remind us of the of the dates for tax returns? Yeah, so the deadline's 31st of January. So so let, we're in the tax year now, 2023-2024. So that's going to end on the 5th of April. And then you have to do your tax return sometime between the 6th of April 2024 and the 31st of January 2025. But if you just get it in your head, as soon as the tax year is over, I'm going to get this done. I think it doesn't need to drag on. It doesn't need to ruin your New Year's Eve. I was speaking to um, to a few of our freelancers and they were asking, you know, if you've just gone self-employed, what advice would you give to someone who actually never filled out a, a tax return before and, and how you get organized a little bit because you'll, you'll also have to pay this this tax bill at some at some point so i think the thing that can catch people out in their first year is that payment on account so it always feels like you're chasing your tail so payment on account let's say um i have to pay ten thousand pounds in tax in my first year halfway through the following year i'm gonna have to forward pay half my tax bill So 5,000. And often you're not prepared for that. So I think being prepared for that first payment on account. Um, and that, that is also magnified. If you have a really good year and you take a jump up, your payment on account is going to reflect that the following year. So just be prepared and forewarned with that. Um, I think if, if you find it quite stressful and it's all very new, maybe for, for the first few years, do get an accountant to do it for you. Or maybe think, Should I just always get an accountant to do it for me? Because the time I spend trying to do it could be time I'm actually making more money than the um, the tax returns costing me. Um, I also think you need to... Most people do their tax returns on a what, what did happen scenario. Whereas now we're sort of a quarter in, are we? May, June, July. Yeah, it was sort of a quarter in. It'd be good to break the tax year down into quarters and just say, well, how's my first quarter gone? Am I ahead of schedule? Am I behind schedule? Does it look like I'm going to break any of those thresholds? Um, and if so, should I be putting more aside for pensions? 
Um, so I would definitely start pension contributions. We know there's a big problem with um, the self-employed not having a pension. So I do a monthly that you know you can always manage to pay in. And then February, March time, do another sort of check of what does it look like? Where might I finish? And then do some pension planning to try and control which tax bracket you're in. Yeah. And that's definitely, I mean, for, for us, like, you know, working with an accountant, uh, if, if you're a director of a limited company, for example, um, and you look at you look at your profit and, and you see this, you know, corporate tax, maybe thinking about, you know, some of these tax allowances and pensions um, is really smart. But it's better, as you say, to do it on a qu quarterly basis rather than stressing out, you know, a week before <laughs> before before tax tax return and, and, and the tax is due because then it's uh, it's too late if you don't don't actually have the cash on your on your account. And I think if you just put it in your diary, a little sort of meeting with yourself, half an hour, a quarter, I think it will well be worth the time spent. And what about, you know, you've done your, your self-assessment tax return and yeah, now you owe money to, uh, to HMRC and you realise I actually don't have the money. What's, what's the best strategy? I think now it's, well, it's going to become increasingly um, the problem. Um, so... I think the first thing is you've got to you've got to be open with HMRC. You've got to respond to their letters. That's going to really help you make sure you're not getting fined. Um, they have a system called Time to Pay, which means if you get in touch with them, they can set up a payment plan. And um, they'll look at what's coming in, what's going out, and often they'll they'll want you to be paying them back at least fifty percent of your disposable income. So. It will be affordable um, and sort of adjusted to your situation. But I think the sooner you, you, you deal with it, the easier the problem is. And do you have some, uh, some like saving strategies that, that people can implement? Um, you, you discussed a few already around, uh, around savings, around pensions, anything else that, that we could do? Don't forget the ISA allowance. So you would usually... I mean, this year, maybe not, but um, you would usually expect your investments to grow more than cash in the bank. So I always see people with cash ices, but they're forgetting that that allowance might be better um, used in their investments. But either way, you get £20,000 a year to, put, to use in an ISA. Um, if you're married, and I say married because if you're, if you're just living together, there's no protection if you separate. Mm -hmm. um, if you're married you want to keep all of the taxable stuff in the lowest person's name. Um, so if one of you is a high rate taxpayer, one of you is 20% taxpayer, you're going to want to put, keep savings that are taxable in the lowest taxpayer's name. Whereas pension contributions, you're both going to want to have your pensions, but overpaying into pensions, you're going to want to do in the highest taxpayer's name. So you want to get that balance right and sort of be taking advantage where you can. Um, I mentioned it earlier about capital gains tax allowance. Don't forget to take advantage of that um, every year. Um, another thing I see all the time is um, if someone's lucky to have a buy to let or a second home or holiday home, and um, it can often just be in one person's name. And again, if you're married, it might be beneficial to split that. You can do something called an interspousal transfer so that you own it together or, in fact, can the lower pet taxpayer between you own more of it? Um, the same goes with work shares. So really be on it with your work shares. 
And don't forget that if you're, um, especially I see this all the time in the tech world, if you're getting a salary, a bonus, and then you're getting given shares, don't forget that's really going to impact the amount of tax that you're, Mm -hmm. well, the amount that you're earning and therefore the tax that you're paying. So being on it with the shares is really important. You can also do interspousal transfers of shares to your spouse. So you can be using capital gains tax allowances all the time. Um, The personal savings allowance, which I mentioned already, again, a lower rate taxpayer is going to have twice as much of an allowance as the high rate taxpayer. Then check your tax code. So most people have a tax code, which is 125L. And all that stands for is the 12,500 and a little bit that you're allowed to earn tax free. So if I had a, um, say, uh, an 11.5L, it would mean actually I was only allowed to learn 11,500 tax-free. So just make sure your tax code is right um, and just cross-check it with a salary calculator. I see that quite a lot, actually. Um, marriage allowance. So again, you can tell that quite a lot of these tax-saving things are geared up to being married, um, which hopefully is something the government will change. But I think Mm. Conservative government, well, at least under David Cameron, did make it quite clear that these were for um, married couples. But anyway, a marriage allowance is if one of you earns less than that 12500 so you're not using all your personal allowance, and the other person is earning less than 50000 so it's a basic rate taxpayer, you can give... 10% of your personal allowance to the other person, just so that that means they can earn more tax-free. Um, and then I think it's about, I, I suppose I feel like a stuck record, so I hope this isn't too boring, but it really is about pension planning and using pensions to try to dictate your tax threshold. And we'll, we'll have an episode in this series around really like investing and, and, and getting into it. But yeah, for anyone, especially if you're freelancer, business owners, and you haven't thought about pensions, um, yeah, maybe it's the time to, to, to look into it. And you mentioned, Lisa, that working with, um, with an accountant can help you, uh, figuring out your, your taxes. Can you? Tell us a little bit more, you know, who can help you in this journey. So, you know, you're a financial advisor um, and maybe have a a broad idea of of costs. Uh, That would be brilliant. Often the the sort of perfect trio would be having an accountant, a solicitor and a financial advisor all working together to make sure that your needs are maximised. But I mean, most a lot of people don't have the money or need that much um, care but I think when when you're when you're looking for an accountant or a financial advisor or, or anyone that's serving you they've got to speak your language so don't just assume all accountants are boring <laughs> there is a there are accountants out there that will speak your language that will take the time to make to help you understand it because essentially it's in their interest if if they're helping you learn about tax or financial advisors learning you helping you to learn about investments over time you're going to understand more and eventually you're going to be a much more informed and therefore an easier to manage client so don't forget you're paying them. So shop around, find someone that speaks your language. Maybe speak to friends and see if they've got a recommendation. But I know there's loads out there. Um, I, I often do a talk on my Instagram with an accountant who I think is brilliant. So you can see all that on there. 
<laughs> Brilliant. And we are organizing a, a webinar also about financial advice and professional services on the on the 20th of July. So definitely, um, you know, you should sign up. Um, you mentioned child benefit uh, earlier in the conversation. Can you tell me for, you know, women specifically, why this is important and why, what, what can we do? Yeah, so child benefit is you get £24 a week for your eldest, £15.90 a week for um, kids, for second and onwards kids. Um, if you earn over 50000 well, let's put it so if you earn, if you and the, the child's other parent earn less than £50,000 a year, you're allowed to have the full child benefit. If one of you earns more than 60000 you aren't allowed any child benefit. And then you are allowed some child benefit on earnings between 50 and 60000 Um And it's important, even if you are a higher rate taxpayer and therefore you're not allowed the child benefit, if you're working from home or you're on a low income, say you're not qualifying for national insurance credits, it's important to claim it believe it or not, and then give it back. <laughs> Because when you claim child benefit, if your child is less than 12, you get national insurance credits. And to be able to get the full state pension, you need 35 years of national insurance credits. So every little helps. So making sure you get those is important. Thank you so much. And finally, I have a, a question about um, gifting. You mentioned that as, as a way also to, uh, to reduce your, your, your tax bill. Can you tell us how gift aid works? Because that can be complicated sometimes. Remember to yourself which tax bracket you're in. So are you in the 20, the 40 or the 45? Then um, when you tick gift aid, so say you gave 80 pounds to charity, um, the tax man's going to give 20 pounds to um, the charity on your behalf. So the tax relief you would, you've paid also goes to the charity. Now, if you're a basic rate taxpayer, that's the end of the story. If you're a high rate taxpayer, you've paid 40% tax, but only received 20. So if you put in 80, the government tops it to 20, but you're owed another 20 back because you want the end result to be you've paid 60 Um, and you've had 40 in tax relief. So the whole thing adds up to 100. That's, shall I say that again? So you're, when, when you think about when, you, as a high rate taxpayer, if you earn 100 pounds, 60 comes to you and 40 goes to the government. If you do 40 pounds to the tax in charity, you get 20 going to the charity. So we've got this 80-20 split, but we need that split to be 60-40. So the government owes you an extra 20 to get that back to that 60-40 split that we want. And 45% taxpayers get that little bit more as well. So yeah, you just need to add on your charitable giving um, into your tax return every year to make sure that those it's rebalanced for you. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Lisa. Any, any final tip on taxes? Any words of encouragement for people who can be really stressed out about getting started? Yeah, you're not going to jail unless you're really bad. So <laughs> I think just embrace it because it, we, we are taught to fear taxes, but actually um, Inland Levy is there to help you. Financial advice is there to help you. Accountants are there to help you. It just doesn't need to be a sort of an ostrich moment. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Wallet. We understand that discussing money can often be viewed as taboo, but we strongly believe in the value of sharing knowledge with friends 
as a meaningful way to give back. Be sure to click and follow The Wallet on your preferred podcast platform so that you don't miss episode 5, which will be airing next Thursday. In this episode, we'll be looking at money and well-being, exploring why we often equate money with success and examining the connection between money and happiness. If you enjoy our show, we would greatly appreciate your support by leaving a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Lastly, make sure you mark your calendars for upcoming live webinar on financial advice on July 20th, where we'll be exploring the ins and outs of working with a trusted advisor. You can sign up for free via the show notes on vespod.com. 